Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game-related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. This week, we are going to be reviewing Splendor Duel. Natasha's going to talk about Fit to Print, which is a real-time game, so you know I didn't play it. (laughs) (laughs) In the the discussion topic, uh, Natasha went to the Dice Tower Retreat. So she's going to kind of share her thoughts and uh, experience going on that, going out to the the Dice Tower Retreat, which is somewhat of an exclusive event. I don't want to say it's exclusive, but they limit the amount of people that can go, right? Yeah, it's very... it's a very small number of tickets. Anybody can go. It's hard. It's just hard to get tickets. Yeah, because you have to be like right on, right on the time when they get start getting sold in order to actually get a ticket. Because they only do like a like a what couple hundred something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I got mine because I was logged in at noon, like with my account already set up, and I just hit the button, and I think I got one of the last tickets. Yeah, so it's I, it's, I lucked out with getting a, access to it. So she she was able to attend that. So she's going to kind of chat about that. Um, there was no episode last week. And one of the reasons why there was no episode last week is I went to Spain. Ooh. So I my wife and I for this year has kind of been a big year for us. We both turned 40. You know, it was our 10 year wedding anniversary. Uh, so it was it was a lot going on. So we decided to do a trip to Spain. So I went to Spain and given schedules and stuff like that, it was it just proved difficult to record episodes ahead. So we took a day off uh, unpaid, by the way, but still it's all good. You know, whatever. <laughs> no big deal. You know. Uh, so, yeah, I went to Spain. Um, I want to hear about it. What would you, you do? OK, so we flew we flew into Madrid and we spent basically a couple days in Madrid. Well, not really, because we flew into Madrid and we got there like in the middle of the afternoon. We had a food tour in the af- in the evening, so we basically just checked into our hotel and slept because of jet lag. Then we did the food tour. The following day, we went to Segovia to check out the Roman aqueducts, and then they have a Al- Alcazar there that we checked out. And then the day after that, we took a train down to Sevilla, which is the vast majority of where we spent our time, which is in southern Spain. It's spelled like Seville, Sevilla, but it's Sevilla is how they pronounce it. So we spent the bulk of our time there. Oh. It was a cool little town. I say little. I think it's like the fourth largest city in Spain. But man, is it cool. It has like that old school architecture. Like it just has this like quaint charm to it. Uh, It was so much fun going out there. That's awesome. It looked beautiful. I saw the pictures. It looked like everything was so beautiful and so clean too. You know, it just it looked gorgeous. Yeah, they they did a very good job of keeping the city clean. There wasn't really much like you go to some of the bigger cities, like I think when you go to Gen Con in Indianapolis, it can there's parts that are pretty dirty, but we didn't necessarily feel that way in Spain. Even when we were in the bigger cities, like we did uh when we did Madrid, we did after Sevilla, we ended up going to um we did a day trip out to where they make sh- uh, sherry wine, which is the only place you can actually call it sherry is based on this location. Then on our after we wrapped up, we went to Cordoba for a day, did a few things there. And then we did the gigantic mosque in Cordoba, which was really cool. They also do the porches, which is like a bunch of flower pots and stuff like that. It's It was kind of towards the tail end of the season for that anyway, but 
And then we came back to Madrid and we we finished off in Madrid. But overall, it was a really cool experience. I will say one of the things that took some getting used to is siesta, which is legit. I People often joke about like, yeah, we need to do siestas in the States. Like, no, it is 100% legit in Spain. What is it? So they take a break in the afternoon. And at least from my experience, what I noticed as an outsider looking in, it's different based on the region you're in. So in Madrid, siesta is like two to like six. They just they take they take a break. They're done. They close up shop. There's nothing open, and they just go do whatever. They can go take a nap. They can go you know do the gym, whatever they want. And then they come back between I think like five thirty and six, and then they finish out as the as one of the guys said the work cycle. So they'll still get their eight hours, but it's split amongst two. And the biggest thing is like eating. So if you want dinner at five, you're out of luck. Like there's no <laughs> dinner at five. Yeah. That's not even like thought of. Uh-huh. So when we were in Madrid, we were eating dinner at like seven, between seven and eight. Uh-huh. In what we found in Sevilla when we were there, siesta was more like four in the afternoon until like eight or nine. Wow. So there was times where we were trying to have dinner at like 830 and they're like kitchens closed until nine. No mind. Yeah, and that's, that's the thing. So, so you, crazy. So you sat and you ate dinner at like nine o'clock, but then it would be the the streets were just like full of life between nine and eleven. Wow. Just in during the week, right during like quote unquote the work week, where people aren't going to be staying up. And the what I love too is there's a big difference when it comes to the wait staff in the states compared to Europe. And the biggest thing is in Europe they just give you time to do yeah. your thing. And I like I understand part of that is, you know, the economical nature of things. So in Spain, they pay people more of a livable wage as their base pay. And there's very little tipping, Mm -hmm. whereas in the States, they give they barely pay anything and all your money is based on tips. So you want turnover. So you're getting additional tips. Well, that's not like that in Spain. Honestly, if you wanted to get anything, you would have to flag down your waiter or waitress because they would they would just let you be. Yeah. They would just let you, you know, mm-hmm. eat, drink, you know, whatever. Randomly, they might check on you for the most part. But if you want something, you have to like say, hey, yeah, we're ready for our next set of tapas or whatever. So do they sleep in late then? Like if they're up, no. you know, 10 o'clock, like or having dinner at 9, 10 o'clock? I don't think so. I think they just take a nap in the afternoon. I think that's what they do. As far as I know, they still get up like normal time. Huh. Like we, there was a couple of days we had to get up early and, uh, People were still out and about and doing stuff. So I don't know if it's just part of it is the heat. So it gets extremely hot there. Granted, uh, you know, it's the end towards the end of September. And there were times where it got up to like 90 degrees in September. So if you can imagine what it would be like in July. Yeah. It can get yeah. really, really hot. So Especially that's part of the reason. Yeah. Yeah. So that's part of the reason for the siestas. They can just like beat the heat. That sort of thing. But yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. I uh, got to go to a game store. So you, if you checked out our Instagram or Facebook, you would have seen that I went to Empire Games. Did you pick up anything? I did. So funny enough, I picked up Splendor Duel. And <laughs> uh, we had a f- flight back. We were going to go from Madrid to Atlanta and Atlanta to uh, Grand Rapids, which is the airport we flew out of in Michigan. And we had te- when we originally booked the f- the flight we had like maybe a, an hour and a half layover from Atlanta to Grand Rapids 
So we were like, all right, you know, everything's cool. And then Delta switched our flight. So then we ended up having like a seven and a half hour layover in Atlanta. And we're like, this is the worst. So we get to, we land to Atlanta. You have to go through customs and immigration. Then you have to pick up your bag. You're like my check luggage. Then we'd have to go drop off our check luggage again. So it gets rescanned. And then we'd have to re go through security. (sighs) But in that process, my wife was like, hey, let's go see if we can get an earlier flight. And they're like, yeah, sure. It's 420. If you can make it, you're there. And it's like 350. And we still need to go through security. So oh. we try the best we can to get through everything as quickly as we possibly can. We're racing to the gate. It's like it's the last gate in this long concourse. And we're running to get Atlanta to this gate. Atlanta is huge. Atlanta is, a, apparently it's the biggest, uh, it is the largest and most traveled airport in the world. So we're running to this concourse and it's like 410. We're running, we're running. And I kid you not, Natasha, there's nobody, like there's nobody at the end of this concourse. There's nobody. It's like a desolate wasteland. And we're running and I see the lady start going to the door. So I yell, I'm like, wait, wait, wait. You know, hoping we can get on this plane. And she just ignores me, goes in, shuts the door. <gasps> she like shuts the door and it's been like two seconds. And I go and I start knocking on the door to try to get in there. Nope. Sure enough, just close the door on us. And it was oh. like four. It was like we missed it by seconds. So then oh we had. Gosh. <laughs> so then we had, you know, seven Six hour hours. layover. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> it wasn't at that point like we had wasted enough time. Like it wasn't that big of a deal. But we. uh Yeah. So we missed that, which sucked. The lady ended up coming out and I was like, yeah, I yelled and stuff. She's like, oh, sorry, I didn't hear you. And I'm like, how did you like there's literally nobody at the end of this concourse. It's you, us, and there's nobody for another like five gates. You're telling me you didn't <sighs> notice me? Come on. Come on. Oh, you could have gotten right on that plane, and, like taken right off too. Yeah, I think my luggage would have showed up. Yeah, I, I think I would have had to come back to the airport to grab my luggage. But at that point, I would have rather. It would have been worth it. <laughs> so worth it. Yeah, but completely true. So worth it if I would have been able. But uh, it is what it is. So then, funny enough, we ended up sitting down. We played a bunch of games of Splendor Duel since I had it. And part <laughs> of the reason why we I bought it anyway is I wanted to support the store because it was a cool store. It's actually two separate stores there's one side and across the street is another side across the street is one of them sells like the board games and they sell miniatures and everything like that and then the other side sells magic cards and they have a bunch of open gaming so they actually have like two locations basically across the street from each other it was a it was a cool store the the staff was real friendly what was it called empire games Hmm. so if you're ever in sevilla check out empire games it was it was a cool store so that's awesome yeah it was a it was a fun trip um it was it was interesting dealing with siesta and all that we did food tours the food there is amazing i highly recommend it so have you ever been to spain no i've never been it's one of those countries that i would like to go back sometimes you visit a country and you're like all right yeah i'm good Mm -hmm. but this is definitely one of those countries where i was like you know what i would love to go back and just experience more of it how was the food oh amazing we have a restaurant in the grand rapids michigan area that does tapas which is from the spanish culture and one of the things we were excited to try was you know actual tapas in um in spain mm-hmm. completely different like the place here americanized the crap out of it it was the food there was so delicious and if you're in madrid and you go to a true tapas bar 
if you order a beer, they will bring you food. They will bring you a tapas to share. Because that's like, that's the culture there. Like, if you order a beer, you get a piece of food. It's like a little small appetizer plate. And then you can, you can, you know, order more and stuff like that. But I also found out that anyone who enjoys white sangria, that's Americanized too. Sangria is based off red wine. There's Mm -hmm. no such thing as white sangria in Spain. And the (laughs) other interesting thing is sangria, if you're out and about, and you see people drinking sangria, they are probably foreigners visiting the country. Sangria is, is a drink made typically in homes for like holidays, friends coming over, that sort of thing. People make it in their houses. That's how they normally drink sangria. They don't go out to a restaurant and drink it. Mm-hmm. They drink a, uh, I think it's Tintos de Verano, which is a like summer wine which they take red wine and they mix it with like lemon lime soda. And that is delicious. It's my new favorite drink. I'm going to be drinking it all the time. I can drink 8 million of them and be perfectly fine. They were so <laughs> del- they were so delightful. <laughs> they were so huh? so good. Oh man, I want to go now. That sounds so nice. The pictures that that you guys took looked amazing. I sh- you say we, but it was mostly my wife. She's the more of the picture taker than I am, but yeah, that's I, what I, I got I got some in there. It it was cool. It was a cool trip. I would I'd like to go back, which is not necessarily a thing I say about a lot of the places I visit. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it was it was cool. The Spanish culture was cool. It was clean. It was safe. Um, even in like Madrid, the biggest city, it was mostly it was safe. There are pickpockets, so you have to be careful of that. And there they can be quick. So. The, that would be the biggest thing is even talking to the people in, in Madrid. That's the big thing is it's it's a safe city except for the pickpockets. And you just got to make sure you, you know where your stuff is and make it so it's not. Don't keep your wallet in your back pocket. Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of thing. You got you to gotta make sure you protect your stuff. But yeah. overall, great, great trip. Cool experience. It was It was awesome to, you know, get into the culture. Take advantage of siesta every day. You know, take Ugh. a little, take a little nap. I could, I could live like that. I, I could take an afternoon nap. I love it. I don't know why we don't do it here. You know. Yeah. The other thing too, we were talking about this on a food tour, and don't worry, guys, we will get into games. We were talking about this on one of the food tours. Is the way uh, the Spanish people eat is they'll get up and they'll have something really, really light. And as our food guide, our food tour guide told us. They don't even count that as a meal. Like they forget about that they even had anything. So they get up, they eat something, they go to work, and then around eleven, they're just like, "Oh man, I'm so hungry. I haven't eaten anything today." So then they have they have second breakfast. So they're like hobbits in that regard. <laughs> so then they have second breakfast, and then they're gonna have lunch, and then they're gonna have, you know, what time like do they have lunch. So second uh, breakfast is at eleven. It's lunch probably like two, be at like, yeah, yeah like late, two o'clock. Yeah. Then they take siesta, and they might go for coffee, or they might go for like a drink, cocktail, whatever. And then they come back and then, you know, they finish out their day. Then they have dinner and then they're going to have like a midnight snack. They have like five and a half meals a day. Oh, I love it. That's my life. That, yeah. That's like perfect. sign me up. Are you kidding me? Like <laughs> I would love to do. It. And the the other thing we found out is you can take siesta. You can go and have a drink. You can have a beer. You can have, you know, Tintos de Verano. You can have any of that stuff and then go back to work. They will not tell you that you cannot have that during siesta so you can have like a couple beers and then go back to work the biggest thing is you can't be like drunk you can have had a drink or two but you cannot be drunk 
Yeah. Can you imagine like in the States, A, no. taking like siestas and then taking like, oh, I, it's 11 o'clock. Yeah. I have to take second breakfast for a half hour. And then at two, I'm going to take my lunch break. And then like at six, I'm going to, you know, and then I'm going to go have a couple beers and come back to work. Like, no, you... <laughs> not at all. There's no I'd way that's tired. happening. I definitely need a nap at least, but. I don't know. Those, that summer wine stuff that we were drinking, it did not wear me out. It was fantastic. I loved it. It was so good. I'm going to start making that in the States. <laughs> that's going to be my new go-to. I love doing food tours when we go to another country. You learn so much and they tell you all yep. about the food and they tell you where to go. It's so worth it. If you ever go anywhere new, always do a food tour. Like the first day or two you get there. That's what, you know, Ashley signed us up for. It was exactly that. The first day we were there, we did a food tour. In Madrid, we did a food tour and we tasted the best croquetas we've ever had in our entire lives. That when we went back to Madrid, we went there. Yeah. We made sure we, we had to like, we had to find out exactly where it was because part of the food tours, they like, you don't know exactly where you're going. They just mm-hmm. kind of take you to places. But we were like, okay, this is where we met. Like we started walking down this street. Like, let's try to find it. We ended up finding it and it was, ah, oh, it was so good. So good. Oh, yeah. We did that, too. When we were in Paris, we'd go back to the places they took us on the food tour. We've Ever since then, we've every place we go, we always do a food tour because you learn so much. Well, and you, you get to experience food through the locals. And one of the things we were talking about with, a, with another couple is they did a food tour in, I think, Barcelona, maybe. And one of the restaurants they went to, they had to actually go through the kitchen in order to get to the actual restaurant part. Mm-hmm. As a tourist, you're not going to do that. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to walk through the kitchen to go to... Like, no way. There's no way mm-hmm. I'm doing that. No way. And they take you to some of these hole-in-the-wall places that you'd never go to, but they're amazing, and they have, like, the best food, and the, all the locals go there. And yeah, they, yeah. They've done the same thing where they'll show you the kitchen, how it's cooked. It's there's They're so worth it, no matter what city you go to. If you haven't been there before, always do a food tour. <laughs> Even in the States, I think if you do, like Ashley, my wife went to Savannah with a friend. They did a girls weekend and they did a food tour and they were able to taste like the local stuff, the people from like specifically that have restaurants in Savannah, not like, you know, we're going to Applebee's and Chili's. No, like we're going to, you know, restaurants that are actually local to the spot. Yes. I will say too with the food is it just, it tastes different. It's less processed. They just, man, it's, it's, I don't know. There's something about food in like in other cultures that I just, I love so much because it just, the, it's, it's not full of preservatives and stuff. I did find out, side note, that if Spain was in a national hunger crisis, they would not accept wheat from the United States because of how processed we make it. Like huh. if people, people could be starving and they're like, no, we will not take your wheat. <laughs> Oh, that's silly. Our wheat is completely fine. Uh, not according to the Spanish. Yeah, we're, it's, we're fine. It's nutritionally... Um, adequate. Adequate, yes. <laughs> it was better than starving. That's, uh, I mean, I guess not to the Spanish people. I don't know. It just, the food the food hits different in foreign countries. That's for sure. It is different. But. I like I like ordering something and like thinking I know what I'm getting and then I end up getting something just a little just a little different than what I expected, but really changes yes. the whole thing. Like, oh like um when we were in Budapest and we ordered goulash. It's not like what we think of as goulash. Nope. <laughs> There's th- yeah, there's just so many different things. Like you think you're getting like that's the thing. You think you order something and you're like, All right, I'm gonna get this specific thing. 
<laughs> and then you get it and you're like, what is this? This <laughs> is totally not what different. I ordered. It, but it is. It's it's local. It's the way it's supposed to be. Like, you know, getting baklava in Greece as opposed to Turkey. It's two different. Like, Turkey is uh, pistachio based and baklava in Greece is walnut based. And if you ask either one of them, they do it better than the other. You know, like, <laughs> and if you get baklava in the United States, it's probably like pecans or something. I don't, I don't know. No nuts at all. Even, even yeah. more. <laughs> probably not. Yeah, zero. Uh, what do you think about talking about some board games? How about we do that? All right, all right. Yeah, let's do that. All right. Yeah, Spain was awesome. If you ever get a chance, go. It's it was really fun. But let's talk about some board games. That's what we're here for. This is the board game podcast, not a travel blog. So, uh, I want to talk about Splendor Duel. Obviously, we picked it up in Spain. We were able to play a ton of it at the airport. So, this is a two-player drafting set collection game designed by Mark andre and Bruno Cathala, art by David Tosello, and published by Space Cowboys. So, in this game, players are masters of a guild of jewelers, creating majestic adornments for monarchs and powerful leaders, trying to increase their prestige and fortune. Honestly... The game is pretty themeless. Like, that's the theme, but at the end of the day, the theme could be anything, really. So if you've played Splendor, this game is going to be somewhat similar. You're going to be acquiring tokens to purchase cards, which will then give you benefits and discounts to purchase more cards later. So what are the differences? Uh, the first difference between this and normal Splendor is there's a market of tokens. So instead of just having piles to pick from, you have a board filled with tokens. So there are also going to be prestige tokens that players will uh, be acquiring and they can use on their turns. And also the end game condition is also different. It's now going to be a race to complete one of three objectives. Once a player has done this, they're going to win the game. So a player's turn is broken down into two parts. The first is taking optional actions. There are two actions. First, you can use any of the prestige tokens that you've acquired to basically pull a single token from the main market. You can you, you get one token for each privilege that you use. The second is refilling the game board. So as players gain tokens and spend them, the market does not automatically refill. You actually have to take one of those actions in order to refill it. But when you do, you have, your opponent gets a prestige token. So then after you've completed the optional actions, you move on to taking one mandatory action. So players must do one of the following. They can take up to three tokens from the main board, and they must be in, in an uninterrupted horizontal vertical or diagonal line they can take one gold and reserve one jewel card from the display gold or wild or they can purchase one jewel card players will be doing this until they've completed one of the three end game objectives the first is having 20 points from all your combined jewel cards the second is having 10 points in one single type of jewel card and the last is having 10 crowns so crowns are a new feature added to the jewel cards so once somebody has done one of these the game ends. So I really like how this game has kept the Splendor feel while still providing a nice game experience. Like I really enjoyed original Splendor, but I just did not care for it at two player. I just don't think it played well at two. I, yeah, I mean, it was fine. Like you, you're, there wasn't very much that flipped through it. I played it a lot at two because my daughter really likes this game and we would play it over and over and over Again, so I'm definitely burned out on Splendor. I like it just fine. I think it's a completely fine game. I enjoy playing it. I think there's nothing to dislike. I think Splendor Duel is a little bit more interesting, the way you can win different pathways. It definitely is plays better at two, for sure. Um, but it's just a little bit more to it. 
that makes it a little bit more interesting, but not not more complicated. So it's it's all yep. the it's it's a step up in all the right ways. Um, it's not going to be a game that I like get out and try to play a lot because I still am a little bit burned out on Splendor, but I'll happily play with my daughter whenever she wants because there's nothing to dislike about it. It's not a game that I want to take out and play over and over again, but I I, I can because it's a completely lovely game. They've taken Splendor and they've almost added a, an, a few extra mechanics to make decisions more interesting in the game. So, for example, in normal Splendor, like you're taking jewels, it's more it feels more like an engine builder, the original um, Splendor, because you're, you're grabbing jewels to purchase the jewel cards to try to like build up to get those, you know, big points. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 100 percent the game. That's the whole game. It's just building those up. Yeah, right. In this, there's a lot more decisions because you don't have just stacks of tokens. You have the market. You have to. You can only take chits that are, you know, three in a row, diagonally, horizontal, vertical, that sort of thing. But if you ever take and you sweep three of the same, you give your opponent a prestige token. And those prestige tokens actually add quite a bit because you can use them to take single uh, chits from the main board. So by doing that, you can kind of almost get what you want. And there's this like cat and mouse game of who's going to be the one to fill it. Because if I fill it, I give you a prestige token. Well, I don't want to give you a prestige token. That gives you just a free you know, token from the center of the board. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. But I also don't have any options to pull from. So it eventually becomes like, when do I refill the market? When do I wait for my, par- the, my opponent to refill the market? So there's just these int- few extra decisions. I will say the other thing I really like with Splendor Duel that's different than the original Splendors. In original Splendor, they had three rows of cards, level one, level two, level three, and you had three of them displayed each. In this game... I think you had four or five, four four displays of each row. Okay, yes. So you did have a display of four. My bad. Yeah. Correction. Not three, four. But in this one, um, they tier them. So in the level three cards, there's three. In the level two cards, there's four. In the level one cards, there's five. So I like having those tiers broken up that way. It's still the same number of cards in the display, but there's a lot more singles to choose from. Because what I found in original Splendor is like you would always kind of fight for the one and who are, like you'd be like, all right, who can get the first one there? So you would try to go to the second one. It just, it, the choices weren't that interesting. You were just picking which one you could get to the fastest. Whereas this has a lot more to it because you're not necessarily, like, yes, you want to try to get them the fastest, but at the same time, you're, you have more options with your level one cards of what you want to pick and what you want to do. So it's not as concrete of a decision of which one do I take? Oh, this one requires three tokens. I'm taking that one because I can get it on the first turn. I agree. I think I think it's it's like all the good things of Splendor, but a little bit more, but without making it more complicated. Yeah. And and they were able to do all of that and and make it just as fun, just as interesting, a great game to play with just about anybody. Um, it's it's fun. It's quick. It's I like how small it is. I like how yeah. it fits in a small box. I mean, very lovely. Nothing to dislike about it. For somebody who has played a ton of Splendor and now is looking at like Splendor Duel. I'm curious, what are you going to rate Splendor Duel? Um, probably like a, a seven, seven and a half, where I'd okay. put Splendor at like a seven. I like Splendor a lot. I think Splendor Duel is better. Yep. 
I think there's more interesting decisions in the two-player version than the original version. Although I think Splendor is a fantastic, you know, welcoming game. Oh, it is. In fact, I just saw on a TV show. I don't know which one. I think it might have been uh, a Netflix um, Down to Love, that show about uh, people with Down syndrome trying to find love and dating. And oh, they, sure. There was, like, there was uh, I think, maybe two brothers that were playing it together at home, and they featured it being played we actually had a couple people come up to us and talk to us about the game about they're like oh we just played this last week we really like it how'd you get a small version and we're like well this is the dual version it's not the original version oh neat yeah it was cool that you know people saw us playing it and they came up and said something but i I think splendor is getting pretty mainstream i think so too yeah it'd be a great mainstream game i mean it's much better than like playing sorry you know with your family Mm mm-hmm well, and the thing is, like, because I I don't like Splendor at two, but I like it just fine at like three or four. I think it works well at three and four. It's one of those welcoming games that I like to teach new people. Uh, for Splendor Duel, I'm gonna come in at an eight. I really enjoyed it. I like the decisions. There's a lot. There's a lot more things going on. You know, you're always weighing the options of giving your opponent those prestige tokens. There's additional end game conditions. You know, twenty total points, ten points in one column of jewel cards. You have those crowns. There are special abilities on some of the cards. Like you can take an extra turn when you buy it. You can take a token from the main board. You can steal a token from your opponent. Just like you said, they've added stuff to it without making it so complex that it's too much. They added just enough where it gives you that splendor feel, but doesn't make it significantly more complicated, which I really like. I think if you if you like splendor, and you want a two-player version, I think this is a good two-player version. Even if you've never played Splendor, I really like this version. I think it I think it does some really cool things with that back and forth, you know, tug of war that you get in two-player games. So if you like that sort of thing, if you like that over, you know, um open drafting, you can this does the thing where I often say like dirtling, you're dirtling to have your opponent refill the board so you don't have to, you don't have to give them a prestige token that they can use later. I think if you like those sort of things, I think you're really going to like this game. I I really enjoyed it. Like it's going to be one of those games my wife and I will just randomly pull out and play right up there with like Targi, that sort of thing. That is Splendor Duel. All right. Next up, I want to talk about Fit to Print. So this is a game designed by Peter McPherson. The art is by Ian O'Toole and it's published by Flat Out Games. I mean, right there, hands down, I'm in. All yeah, I was going to say that like you didn't even need to know what the gameplay is. Done. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take my money. Take my money. I love it. It's 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 so gorgeous. Just I love the Eno tool artwork. I love the anamorphic animals. I think it's adorable. I like the theme. You're trying to build a newspaper. So it's real time. Um, you've got all of these like newspaper clippings that are flipped upside down on the table and everybody all at once, you've got a four minute timer and you start flipping over these tiles one handed. Apparently you got to do it one handed, not two handed. You you take a tile, you bring it to your desk, you look at it, you decide if you want to put it in your newspaper or not. If you don't want to put it in your newspaper, it goes back onto the table face up so somebody else can see it and grab it. Or you can put it on your, in your newspaper, you put it on your table. So then you, you continue collecting collecting these little newspaper clippings, you know, and of course you can take any of the face up ones that people leave behind. And then once you've got a stack on your table, you can then stop collecting and start 
putting your newspaper together. So it's a tiling. So it's a real time tiling game. So you spend the first little bit, you've got four minutes total. So you probably want to spend about, you know, one to two minutes, um, not any more than that, like collecting newspaper pieces, probably just one minute and then spend the other three minutes, like putting the newspaper together. So you, you get points various different ways. Um, everyone starts off with like a main tile that they've got that will score them a couple extra points depending on, you know, the, the restrictions of that tile. And then you've got, you've got, um, articles that cannot be next to similar articles. You've got photos, which cannot be next to any other photos. The photos will score points based on the articles that they're next to. So you want to match those up. You've got ads, which cannot be next to any other ads. Um, ads won't score you any points, but if at the end of the game, if you have the least amount of ad revenue, you go out of business and cannot win the game. So it's a little brutal. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just get points for this various, uh, you get points if you have the least amount of white space. So any holes that you don't fill, uh, whoever has the least amount will get points. Whoever has the most like largest hole in their newspaper loses a couple points. Your your oh your newspaper needs to be fair and balanced. So every article has like one or two happy or sad faces. So if it's a positive article, it's got happy faces or one or two happy faces. If it's a larger article, it'll have two. Smaller will have one. And if it's sad, it'll have a sad face. So you have to have a balance. You want to have like equal numbers. Doesn't matter how many. Just have to be the same. You lose points for anything that's unequal. And then there's three rounds to the game. So you've got Friday. And then Saturday, you add a row and a column. So it's just slightly bigger. And then Sunday, you flip it over. It's adding another row and column. So it's even a little bit bigger. So the, the first time you play, everyone has way too many articles on Friday. You lose a point for any article you don't put in your paper that was that you had collected. And then, so then Saturday <laughs> comes along and your article's bigger. But we've all learned from Friday's mistake by collecting too many. So then we don't never, none of us have enough. So then you have all these holes in it. And then Sunday, you're like, okay, okay, it's going to be even bigger. I'm going to go full board. And then you end up having like way too many articles. So like the game is really, really hard. It's really hard to like do well. I think if you played it a bunch, you'd get really good at it. But if you got really good at it, like you could never introduce it to other people who are just learning because they would be really bad at it. So it's, I don't know, like, I don't think, I don't think it'd be wise to get really good at it unless you played it with your group only and everybody got good at it together, then that'd be fun. You know, it's one of those games where like, I want to play it again because I'm like, okay, I know if I play it again, I'm going to be better at it. But do I really want to get that much better at it? Or is the fun that the fact that you suck at it, but everybody sucks at it, so it's fine, you know? I don't know. That's an interesting thought process is it, it's like that in certain games. Like Carcassonne is one of those games that I don't want to necessarily play with new people. Because I just, I have a feeling of how many tiles are left of certain things that I need. You know, yeah. you just, you've just, you've played it so many times that you kind of just know. You're like, all right, there's at least probably one or two more of those like roads leading into a city at a diagonal. And that's what I need. Mm-hmm. You know, it's probably one or two left. You just have a feeling, right? And that's similar to like, this sounds a lot like Galaxy Trucker, where you're just flip, you're flipping tiles, flipping tiles, flipping tiles, and then, you know, taking what it is. And part of the fun of, you know, Galaxy Truckers, you don't know what you're going to get. Like, especially when you're first learning the game, you're just like, I don't know. I don't know what is, what is going to happen. What's going to happen? Like, you just start grabbing stuff, you mm-hmm. know? It's like Galaxy Trucker in that you're flipping over tiles and you're building your thing. 
Um, but Galaxy Trucker, then there's another game after that where your ship gets destroyed. This, the game after that is like, see how many points you get, like, see how bad you were at it. And you're really bad at it, you know, and everybody, but everybody's really bad at it. So you end up kind of, you can kind of win or be close to winning, even though you suck at it because everybody is. I will say that I, I like the fact that you need to have a balanced newspaper with positive and negative stories, especially like. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. It, like seeing just news articles nowadays, like it just seems like everything's negative. <laughs> you know, like everything's just a negative thing. So it's nice that, like, yes, you need to have positive stories in your in your it articles. Is, it is adorable because if you look at like the art, the ads and stuff, they're super cute. Like the articles are funny. They're all like animal themed. It's super cute. The artwork's cute, but the the, the words and the the language that they use is really cute. Like there's all this like little. It's really fun to just look at the pictures and look at the articles and read them, and it's just really really adorable. It's fun to put it all together. It the, here's okay some negatives. It's 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 hard. Like it doesn't sound hard to play, but it's really hard because there's so many things that you're balancing. So you're gonna forget. You're gonna put pictures next to each other. Um, you're gonna forget. Oh, I gotta use one hand, not two hands. Like there was a lot of cheating in this game. I know that I accidentally cheat a lot, but I accidentally cheated a lot in this game. Like accidentally, quote accident- unquote, accidentally. <laughs> I like I started grabbing newspaper articles two handed. I started flipping them over in the center of the thing instead of bringing them to my table and looking at them. You know, and then like if you you want to be first to finish because then you get uh you get the first token you just draft the the next player's uh bonus tokens at the or feature or something it was called in the next round so you want to be first so then i grabbed my token i'm like oh wait i wasn't i was supposed to make a hole so then i start moving like, oh wait no that's the whole point of the game is it's in a timer i'm not allowed to move anything so i gotta put it back like i'm just constantly like remembering all the rules and And on top of that, there's all the rules of placement, which is fine. If you mess it up, you just flip over your article and it still keeps it it is a it's a it still prevents like an empty space. You know, you just don't get any points for it. So it's still helpful. You can flip over your articles and all the newspaper pieces and put them upside down. So there's all there's just a lot to manage, like all of the rules. It's way overwhelming. There's no way you can keep track of it all and you're going to mess it up. Um, And then on top of that, every so there's three rounds and each round scores and there's a ton of different ways to score. So scoring is kind of a beast and it's a lot like um, to score. The last time we, we played, we made the girl who scored the first time score again because she did, did it and nobody else wanted to do it. So it's definitely a lot of work like in between each rounds with like going around and scoring everybody's paper. So those it's, it's, it's hard and it's a lot of work, but it's so cute and fun, and enjoyable and everybody sucks at it. So it's still fun. Does the does the game come to a halt and drag when you guys are doing scoring? Yes. Like it's a, a fun like quick, 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 you get four minutes and then scoring, you go around, all right, I got one point, I got three points, I got negative four points, you know? <laughs> got it. So it's and I think, it's drags. Okay. Yeah, it definitely slows down. But it's fun, like because you're going around, and you're like, I and you're laughing at yourself because somehow how much you suck at it. So it's fun. It doesn't I wouldn't say it like drags to a halt. But then then, you know, who's ever scoring then has to go through and then add up all of the points, you know, after we go around and tell everybody our points, then you have to add it up. That takes a minute. So it's it's definitely like a good game for like a fun group. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're sure. you want to have fun, like you want to be silly. You, you know, you don't mind sitting around chit chatting while somebody adds up scores. You know, you don't mind laughing at yourself, making fun of each other. 
um, you know, someone's going to get go bankrupt and totally lose the game. It, it's a little punishing for what it is because I almost wish instead of having negative points, they would have increased all the points. So you end up getting more positive points because there's a, quite a few ways you can get negative points and it just, it's kind of not fun. So that's my only complaint is I wish you could have the same scoring, just, in, just take everything from the negative, bump it up to zero and put, you know what I mean? Have the points yeah, just sure. be worth more. And then it wouldn't feel like, like you suck so much at it, you know? There's the psychology of gaining negative points as opposed to gaining zero points. Like negative just feels bad. Like I didn't, like I failed at this thing. Uh-huh. Whereas zero points is, oh, I just didn't do it. It it just feels yeah. different when you get a bunch of like negative points. Like one of the things that I think about with something like that is, uh, so like in Feast for Odin, you start off with your little map and it's just nothing but negative points. Uh-huh. And it just feels like you're you're already in this hole <laughs> that you're trying to climb out of, and it just <laughs> yeah. doesn't feel good, you know. Yeah, I mean, it'd be one thing to get like w- like maybe just the negative space gave you negative points, so like one person throughout the whole game got one negative point each round. That'd be it. But there's quite a few ways to get negative points, so it was a little like that made me like want to get better at it. Like, oh, play it again, like get better at it. And I was a little better the second time, but not by much, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. The, can you win with a negative score? Like, uh, take um, another Uwe Rosenberg game, you know, you know, patchwork. You can win negative 20 to negative 50. No, because like, you you definitely end up with a, a positive score. You know, okay. you just get a lot of little negatives in there. You might score like five or ten points in a round, you know, which gotcha. can okay. still win you the game. But Okay. Yeah. Do you think I would like it? Yes. I think I think as long as you went into it knowing it, I think there's a there's a there's a there's a good game in here, right? Like yep. you know, the it's it's a lot to manage, it's a lot to keep track of. And I think you're good at that. Um the real time, it doesn't feel rushed. You, but so you have to have a timer because otherwise it would just be this efficiency boring puzzle. You know what yes. I mean? You have to yep. time it. Otherwise there'd be no fun in it or nothing interesting about it. But but the time is not tight. You've got plenty of time to collect your tiles and plenty of time to build your newspaper. But you do have to rush. Like you do have to, you know, you have to do it quickly. Otherwise, you're you're gonna end up, you know, not being able to fill out your whole thing. And it's tricky with the pieces that you take because because of all the rules and the placement and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's tricky, and you want to maximize the points, but yeah, you need to keep track of everything. You don't want to take too many tiles. You you need to put them all out there, but you can flip them upside down if you can't legally place them so they can at least take up space so there's just a lot to manage in that four minutes so and, and i think it's really good i i think this is going to be a little polarizing i think i think people will like it but i also think there's a lot of people who are not going to like it i'm interested to try it it's one of those games that i think the real time doesn't turn me away actually mm-hmm. partly because it reminds me a little bit more of uh, Galaxy Trucker, which I I enjoy. I enjoy Galaxy Trucker. Maybe it's just you know based on the experiences we've had with it. It always mm-hmm. comes out at the end of the night. You're silly, like you're just having a good time. It, you don't take it too seriously. So something like this is that efficiency puzzle, which again, like you said, if you're not if you have no timer, then there's really it's just not that fun. There's nothing. It wouldn't be a game. Yeah. Yeah, you need to like get your stuff fast. So with something like that, I think going into it, I think I might might enjoy it more because of that because i know that like it has to be 
you know. I think it's a little fun, like a little more strategic than Galaxy Trucker because Galaxy Trucker, like, you know, you you build your ship best you can, and then you, you're at the whims of the cards that come out. Where this is like you're building it, and then you're scoring based on how you built it. Period. Yep. That's it. You know. And so there's definitely a lot more strategy, and I think that that's fun, and the real time makes it fun and. So- and it's goofy you're not gonna take yourself seriously like you're not gonna be mad like even if you lose the game because you went out of business because you didn't put enough um ads out then who cares like it, it's just a goofy fun time when it's just adorable the artwork's cute it's fun to look at you have fun looking at all the pictures while someone's adding up the score like it, it's just a it's just an enjoyable little game i probably wouldn't want to play it too much you know i think it, this is a game that i'd get out once or twice a year probably and that'd be about it you know, or it'd be a little tough to to play this with newer people because there's so many rules, and it's really hard sure. to keep track of all the rules. You know, and they might not feel really good about themselves. Um, I'm coming in at a seven. Um, I really enjoyed it. I'd be happy to play it anytime you want, but it's not something I'd want to play over and over again. It's not. It's not. I wouldn't call it a welcoming game. I wouldn't teach it to brand new people. You know that that can get a little overwhelmed it's definitely rules heavy and it's hard to remember all the rules and not like it's not a heavy game by any means it's just a lot to keep track of and i suppose it's fine like if you break all the rules that's fine because who cares if people that are new are learning are going to break the rules who cares about that but like you know if the news if their newspaper is all messed up you can flip it upside down so it's not like you have to remember everything to still sure. have, you know that'd be fine so you, I could see you trying it out with other people if they're if they're open to goofy, silly fun and they don't mind um, being bad at games, you know, because some people like that really bothers them when they're bad at games, you know? Yeah. Yep. And yep. I would I would definitely keep this game away from people who don't like to lose. There's a person out there that's like, that's not a thing. You're probably that person then. <laughs> kidding. Kidding. Joking. <laughs> kidding. <laughs> or am I? <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> yeah. It's not the person that doesn't like to lose, but the person who doesn't like to be really bad at it. And you're going to be really bad at this, so that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the problem too is oftentimes with a game like this because there's so many like minutia rules and stuff like that, all these different things that you got to keep track of, inevitably what will end up happening is the person who's playing it for the very t- first time be like, "Well, you never told me I couldn't put two pictures next to each other." Yeah. Like that's that thing like yes when you're teaching rules sometimes you mess up like it is what it is you forget a rule that sort of thing but like when you're like well you didn't tell me that it drives me nuts when people say that oh <laughs> my gosh just my flip gosh. over your photo you'll be fine yeah it's, you know it's okay you know, it's, it's okay. not the end of the world it'll be fine we're here to have fun so if you like having fun if you like being silly and you don't you like a little bit of a challenge and you're you like the spatial puzzle it's kind of fun that you can you get to take all your pieces and you put to put them all together at once you know so you know everything that needs to fit you can kind of maximize it if you have enough time you know it's fun i i enjoyed it um i played with somebody who really liked the game he was really good at it he filled in all the holes and he loved it if that's your jam like i think you'd like this but just knowing going into it that it's a tough game it's tough to play. You're going to be bad at it, but that's okay. You'll have a good time. That is fit to print. All right. That's going to wrap up the games we are going to be reviewing this week. We are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, Natasha is going to tell us all about the Dice Tower Retreat. 
All right, welcome back. Next up, I want to talk about the Dice Tower retreat that I went on. Was it last week, two weeks ago now? It feels like an eternity. I I don't even know. It was. (laughs) It could be two months for all I know. Um. It was it was so much fun. So it was down in Miami. It was at a resort, a little, I guess not a resort, a hotel with a conference room. Um, And it was Wednesday through Sunday, which was awesome. I got there Tuesday night. So I was there all day Wednesday and I left first thing Sunday morning. So I missed out on Sunday. But it was it was a small group. It was the full Dice Tower library. It was just gaming. That was it the whole time. It was really, really fun. It was fun to meet people. That was my favorite part to meet people and then play with them for that um the whole week of playing, you know, the same the same people over and over and kind of seeing them and being in that same space. That was a lot of fun. I got to play a lot of the new games that they had there. I got to teach a lot of new games. Um, but yeah, hanging out with people I think was meeting people and hanging out with them and, and having that that thing in common, right? It's so easy to make friends when you go on these these types of things because you all have that you instantly have something in common, instantly have something to do together, something to talk about. It's so fun. I highly, highly recommend going to, you know, not just the Dice Tower retreat, but just anything that you can go to. They're so fun. And I went by myself. Like I didn't go with anybody. Um, I went by myself. I knew, I saw people I had met at other Dice Tower events and other conventions there. It was very easy to make friends, very easy to get in on games. It was, it was a lot of fun and I'm definitely going again next year. And I highly recommend going to any kind of board gaming event you can get your hands on. Do you have priority for tickets next year because you've already gone? Yeah. So they 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 were open last week for anybody who wanted to buy them who had gone previously. Um, yep. And then and then they'll determine how many they have left and they'll put them up for sale later in the year. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. The elite continue to be elite, I guess. Yeah. So <laughs> it's definitely. <laughs> feels very retreat like it's like you you give a sense of community but it was fun yeah i will say we've said it a lot on this podcast that the dice tower events just feel different you know and granted they're they usually are smaller they're not going to be gigantic let's say like origins you know that sort of thing they're they're a lot smaller of a of a convention feel that sort of thing but it's it's just easy Right, like you said, that's the that's the part that's cool is it's just easy to go sit down and play, whereas yeah. like Origins you can, you know, and Gen Con you you can. There's people that are gonna have cones up and stuff like that, but it just feels it has a different feel to it. It's it's hard. I wouldn't necessarily recommend going to Origins or Gen Con by yourself and trying to get in a lot of gaming with people. It, it's harder to to find people to play games with. They kind of a Everyone kind of comes with their group. You certainly can. And there's a lot of people that do. And it's certainly possible. But if you're a little shy or intimidated by doing that, I wouldn't recommend that be your first time trying. You know, I'm pretty comfortable going around asking people if they if I can play, get in on their game. Like, I have no problem doing that. But I know that's really, really hard for a lot of people. And I wouldn't recommend starting off like Origins. I would go to a smaller convention, you know, and and you especially spend the whole weekend together with this group. Like you, you meet a couple people, you know, you're going to find, you're not going to click right away with everybody, but you're going to click with a couple and then you'll kind of keep playing with them and, and then, you know, switch out people and you, you just end up meeting people. And it's a lot more, it's a lot easier to do than you think it would be. So even if you're shy and like that whole idea scares the crap out of you, like I'd still give it a shot. It's, it, it's surprisingly how easier it gets with time. You, 
it might be hard to start, but it gets easier. That is often, I think, the the thing that prevents a lot of people from building relationships within the hobby mm-hmm. is that social that social fear of interacting with people you don't know. Yeah. You know, us being friends, like we wouldn't be friends if it wasn't for uh, me going to a game night at a our local game store. Yeah. And I've told this story before, but for anyone new, like I I found out that they were doing game nights at this particular location. So I had gone and the very first time I went, like I didn't sit down at all. Like I just didn't. Like that I was scary. Yeah, there were so many people playing games and people like looked at me and I was really hoping somebody would be like, hey, do you want to sit down and play? And nobody did that. So I just kind of walked around. I talked with some some like a couple of the employees or whatever. And then I just left. And I was like, okay. And it was it, it was that social like anxiety of not wanting to not necessarily interact with people, but I didn't want to feel like I was bugging somebody and, you know, forcing myself onto a game that, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. So then I went back again, again, nothing like I just didn't sit down. And then I went a third time and one of the employees had noticed like this was my third Wednesday and they were like, hey, we're about to play a game. Would you like to sit down and play? And I was like, yes, for sure. And it was nice to be able to have somebody invite me down mm-hmm. and like sit down. But it was still I wasn't the one who did it. And eventually yeah. by doing that, I was able to meet a couple people who ended up playing like towards the back as, you know, the employees played by the register. So then I got back there and then, you know, you meet one person, then you meet another person, then you start like forming your groups and stuff like that. But it's tough. Like it's super difficult to like want to sit down and, you know, try to, I don't want to say get in on a game, but, you know, to be the one that says, hey, do you mind if I sit and play? In any other social situation, like, if you went down to the bowling alley, you wouldn't go up to somebody and be like, hey, can I join your lane and play with you? Like, yes, it would yeah. not work in any other social situation. So I totally understand why people wouldn't feel comfortable doing this. But yep. in the board, let me tell you this, in the board gaming community, you are allowed to come up to somebody and go, hey, can I join you? And it is not weird. It is not uncomfortable. They might say no, but that doesn't mean that it's because they don't want to play with you. They might just legit be full, Right. Or can yep. or whatever reason, but they're not. They are not offended. They are not upset. They did not feel bad that they had to tell you no, or maybe they did. But there's no, there is no harm. There is no social discomfort. Like there's no social faux pas. I should say. There's obviously a lot of social discomfort there. There, on your they part. can be. Yeah, yeah. But not on the other people. Like you are. It is completely okay to go up to strangers and ask them to play a game with them. And I've had people yep. come up to me and I've had to say say no all the time. And it's no big deal. And I've had people tell me no all the time. It's really not a big deal. You know, you just, and, and I'm not saying that it's not hard. I totally get that it's hard. But you, I promise you, if you do it, you'll get better at it. I did the same thing that you did the first time I went to the board game night. I stood there and left. After a while, I left because I felt so uncomfortable. But I eventually kept going and people invited me. And now I have no problems going to conventions by myself like asking you know i look around and now i'm even picky like before i wouldn't be picky i would just anybody who would invite me i would say yes no matter the game but like i'll look around to see who's setting up a game if it's a game i know if it's a game i'm interested in i will ask if i can play oh and you can tell like you can tell if they've got a full table usually normally what i don't even like ask hey can i play it's do you have room for one more 
And part of that yes. is because, like, at least from my perspective, having been in the hobby and, like, you know, especially with the podcast and stuff like that, at some point, games are very good at certain player counts. Like, we talked about Splendor. If a person was setting up Splendor and it was just two players, like, like I know that's not a good player count. Mm-hmm. You know, two player Splendor, at least to me, I don't think is a good player count. Same thing with, let's say, you know, if you're playing Ankh or if you're like if Ankh and there's like four or five people already at the table. No, I'm not even going to bother. Or, yeah. uh, you know, that's why I'm like, do you have room for one more? Because they might be like, listen, we're trying to play this game at three. This is where we feel it's the best at play- being played at. And that's the experience they want. So sometimes if I'm like, hey, do you have room for one more? They might be like, you know, we're trying to play it at three or, you know, that sort of thing. So that's at least my approach is saying, hey, do you have room for one more? Because then they can say they can say, no, you're not invited, but it's not it's not about you. It's just about that. They just don't have room and it makes it easier for them to, to say no. So you don't have to feel like you're pressuring them to include you. And then it it makes the no feel a little bit better because it's not about you. It's about them just legit you know, not having another room for another player. Yep. I know like in um Columbus they have cabs, which is the Columbus area board game society, I wanna say. I don't remember the full full name. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we had met um I think they had like board members. We had met a met a gentleman a couple origins ago that I believe was a was a um board member or he was affiliated with the group in some way and i remember chatting with him and their thing was if you see a brand new player you get that player into a game like that's instantly what you do you're not you know waiting around or letting the group do it or whatever no if you recognize somebody's brand new invite them into a game like that's just their general mantra of the of that group is you see a new player, you invite them into the game. And I think that's where something like the dice tower events mimic that where if you see somebody kind of just wandering around, you say, Hey, we're playing this game. Do you want to play? You know, I, for whatever reason, being at a dice tower event, I'm more like, Hey, we're about to play this game. You want to sit down and play. Then Mm -hmm. let's say if I'm in origins or whatever, Plus the flags help too. You yeah. you know, if I was getting ready to play a game with one other person, I would always grab a flag. That way, if anybody was trying to get in on a game, they could just join us. They, they're t- we're telling the world like we're open for another player. You know, I'm I'm curious because you one of the things you said is you're more picky about who you sit down with. <laughs> is that a game thing, or is that a person thing, or is it both? It's definitely both. So if it's my first time there and I don't know anybody, then okay. Here's what I here's how I feel. Mm. Spill and, that and, tea. <laughs> Spill it. When I when I sit down to play with strangers, I specifically look for games that I know I like because that way, if I don't like the people, at least I'll enjoy the game. I try not to play a new game with new people. <laughs> I try to have either a new game or new people, but not both. It's just a recipe for disaster. Yes. I mean, it, it can be a it can be a pleasant surprise, but it's often not. Yeah. There's yeah. there's definitely there's you know, I'm you know, I'm kind of picky about I I I like playing with all types of people. I like oh, I'm gonna face that. I like all types of people. I don't like playing games with all types of people. Yeah, you're like the most open, pickiest person I've ever met. <laughs> yeah. Like you like everyone, 
but you don't like anybody. <laughs> no, 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 no. I like everybody. I love yeah. I love all different types of people. I love that the world is full of all different types of people. I truly yes. love people that are unique and different, but I don't always want to play like with certain types. You don't want to play games with everybody specifically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of picky about my gamers. Yeah, that's the thing is sometimes you get into a group and you're just like, uh, you're just not meshing with them. Like it's a personality thing, right? You're not going to enjoy playing with every single person that's out there in the the hobby. I will say from my perspective, there are more good than bad. You know, playing with new players, I've experienced more positive interactions than I've experienced negative. But you remember the negative ones, right? That's that don't like playing with me you know like i can be pushy i can be obnoxious i eat (laughs) while i play games like if you don't like me eating and touching your games you probably don't want to play with me (laughs) i push you i push people along whose turn is it whose turn is it you yeah i'm sure i'm not perfect either i'm not i don't always always fit with everybody there's there's no way like the way i look at it for myself is i'm an acquired taste you need to (laughs) You need to give me a couple of interactions to win you over. <laughs> I'm not going to do it right know, away. I think people know right away. People know right away if they want to play with me or not. Your big thing is you're very chill about a lot of stuff when it comes to games. Like if you need to take a move back and you need to redo stuff, cool. Like no big deal. That sort of thing. I'm not going to get all worked up if somebody plays a rule wrong, accidentally cheats. Like we're just going to move on and pretend it didn't happen. Yeah, like you're you're like no big deal, like it is what it is. But heaven forbid you take a slow turn. <laughs> Ooh, man. I can I, one slow turn is fine. If you play a whole slow game, <laughs> we're done. Recently we uh we were playing a game Super Mega Lucky Box on Board Game Arena with uh with a fan and Natasha's notoriously slow with Board Game Arena. She just doesn't like she I just doesn't. don't think. I just don't think about it. I'm sorry. I want. I want to get better at it. I want to get better at it. Yeah, don't you're, give up on me. Invite me to up. play nope. games. I would love to play games with you. If you don't mind, taking a game takes a week or two to play. Don't give up it's, on me. For being one of the fastest players in our group, you are so incredibly snail-like when it comes to playing on board game arena. What the best part was, like him and I were having a conversation in the comments of that particular game. And I was just like, yeah, she's super slow in this game. Like I'm trying to egg you on and you yeah. didn't respond to any of the comments. Like, I don't even know if you read them. No, <laughs> no, I didn't. I'm not on it to see, read the comments. So now you're just, a, just making fun of me behind my back. It was open information. All you got to do is click on the comment box. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just I just forget about it. I forget that I'm playing it and I don't I don't don't go back and check. But I'm going to get better at it. I want to keep playing board game arena. Please invite me to play games with you. I don't know. I don't know if we can. You're just too slow. It, you 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 text me and then I'll go back in and play it. Like I don't text- have the I don't have the mental energy to text you every time it's your turn. You don't text me every reason- time. But if it's been like an hour or 3 days, you can text me. It emails you and says, "Hey, it's your turn. Take your turn." Yeah, you know, I'll check my email, Bob. Oh my god i don't like i just don't know i don't know the problem is like i we play there's three of us that play a ton on board game arena it's me jeremy and chris and we're fast like we are incredibly fast there are times where like you have off days or whatever but we'll play like we were joking around 
because there was one game you were playing with us and the game had been going on for like two weeks and we had like started and finished multiple games and the time it took you to take one turn like and i'm not talking like oh yeah like a fast game like can't stop no i'm talking like we started and finished a game of arc nova while you were still like waiting to take your turn that's like how fast we're like playing these games so like we're, when i say we play fast i'm talking we play fast and there's times where like i said there's a lull where we have stuff that's going on that we can't or whatever but you're just slow i don't know I don't just, know if we can do it. Keep trying. Just, maybe <laughs> send me games like that just don't have a lot of like individual turns. Those are better. You know, like Hadrian's Wall, there's only like how many rounds? Five five rounds in the game and you have to draft. So there's like 10 turns in the whole game. Where like Isle of Cats we were playing, that's the game Bob was t- saying to take a long time. Because you draft and then you have to wait and then you draft, you have to wait draft so there's just a lot of turns and everyone has to go around anybody have to do you know treasure cards and everyone have to do these cards these it, it was a lot of turns those are not very good at well you can prompt the you get prompts that say when would you like to do this thing and you just click like i would like to activate it after this you didn't see that did you no i don't, I don't know that was an option <laughs> i don't I'll get better at it. Keep, don't give up on me. Keep trying. I'll play games with you on Board Game Arena <laughs> if anybody invites me. All but right. yeah, it'll be a slow. It's gonna. It's a slog. The problem is if you take too long in between turns, you forget what it is you're trying to accomplish. That's the problem I have with playing like online. If it starts taking too long, for example, we've played like It's a Wonderful World on Board Game Arena. And the problem is like you draft cards and as you draft cards, you can use them either to like build or you can discard them for um, resources. And oftentimes, like after I get through drafting my cards, I'm like, which cards were I going to play and which ones were I going to get rid of? I don't remember. Therein lies the problem because like if I'm playing it in real life, I can set a card to the side saying like this is the one I want to build and this is the one like I can't mark them on board game arena, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like we've digressed quite a bit. Um, we were talking about the Dice Tower retreat. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're talking about you being a slow player in board game. It was, okay, summarize. It was a great retreat. You guys should all try to go to, you don't necessarily have to go to the Dice Tower one, but anything you can get your hands on, I highly recommend going to board gaming events. And that, that's, that's about it. Yeah, if you can go to a Dice Tower event, I do think they do they do events well. I think they're very welcoming. All the Dice Tower crew typically are always down to play games with people. As long as you ask and they're free, it's always been, a, I think, a really positive experience, at least from my perspective. So if you can get to a Dice Tower event, I would. Otherwise, yeah, just like game events in general. Yeah. Meet new people. Play some games. If you ever see us out and about, you want to play a game with us, no joke. Come say, hey, listen to your podcast. Love it. Come play a yes. game with me. Or send me an uh, uh, invite on Board Game Marina and we can play a game. And I will not pressure you to take your turn fast. Because she won't, won't be on. It won't matter. She I won't promise. be online long enough to do that. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening to our shenanigans. Join us next week. Please help us out by giving us a review and liking us on Instagram or Facebook. Send us your comments or questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. See you next week. <laughs>